0: I'm Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, I'll be reviewing the political satire rom-com Long Shot, the long-awaited question mark uh, adaptation of The Ugly Dolls into a movie, and the psychological thriller home invasion movie The Intruder. Let's get started. I'm going to try to conduct myself in such a way that does not risk global humiliation. <laughs> She bought me this. It's a traditional Swedish suit. I don't see another <laughs> Swede dressed like this. Calm the smurf down. Bring a suit next time. <laughs> Fred, I need you to come work on that speech with me right now. Am I being too bossy? No, no. We'll do exactly what you were imagining, and then you turn me around, slap me on my ass, and then choke me a little bit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've been hearing a lot of good buzz about this movie. Uh, I heard, like, and I liked the trailer going in. Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen having weirdly good chemistry. Like, you wouldn't, like, like in the movie, you wouldn't think these two uh, would have that great a chemistry together, but not, they just click. And And they work great off of each other. And I gotta say, like, Charlize Theron has excellent comedic timing i haven't really seen her do a lot of comedies like most of the comedies i've seen her do are like the darker ones that uh jason reitman directed like a young adult and uh i think tessa i think was the name of it it was the one where uh she was the mom she was the mom having a mental breakdown she had good she was she she had great uh timing there but that was more of like a like a like a mumblecore style low-key comedy this is much more of what seth rogan usually delivers like you know pa- you know fast-paced punch punchy sort of comedy and she does great in this um uh it's it i do think the biggest weak point of this movie is the fact that it's a yet another dumpy guy wins over the super hot girl uh But I think it was, and I think emphasizing that they were, that she was a babysitter when she was really just the neighborhood girl that he liked. Uh, Because, I mean, they were only three years apart. Did he really need a babysitter? The fact that they, they used the word babysitter made it sound way creepier than it actually is, which was she was the next door neighbor. Like, you could have just said the next door neighbor. I think they wanted to say babysitter because they... That so they could make a joke about how babysitters are like a, a fetish on Pornhub or something, because there is a throwaway line, and then that's never mentioned again. They only mention the fact that they are next door neighbors growing up, which I think is much more the point: the fact that they she was the girl next door that he had a huge crush on, and uh, now she's the you know now she's running for the president, and he's a jur- and he's a journalist who who has a You know, an ideal, you know, who has, you know, was very strong in his ideals and, and he has a great sense of humor. So when they meet up again, she thinks, oh, he, he would be perfect to kind of punch up my, uh, my, uh, speeches as a speechwriter. And he would, and you see that. It, and it's a, that's the thing. The romantic comedy elements, are kind of the undercurrent of the whole movie. the The bigger thing is that this is a you know this is very blunt uh, political satire um, on how like the fact that on the fact that women can't women politicians are under much more scrutiny. That there's a you know there's a big undercurrent of there's a big theme towards the towards the third act where her campaign is at risk over something he did and it's you know the fact that, she, that no matter what what she does she always has to be perfect in the eyes of everybody so it's all about aesthetics and it's all about optics and um so and she she's trying to compromise and he doesn't like to compromise a big thing about this is that Seth Rogen's character is too like the fa- like there's a big p- point where his best friend opens up to him about something he had to keep secret from him cuz he knew his best friend would would not let him live his life if he knew that. They they probably wouldn't be friends if he had been upfront about his you know the way you know the way he is. Um the best friend played by uh um oh crap why can't I remember his name? It's it's Ice Cube's son. Uh Now nah, it's going to bug me. Hold on. Uh, long shot. There we are. I want to get his name right. Um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I knew it was an O. I just couldn't remember O'Shea Jackson Jr. Okay. Uh, he plays, uh, Seth Rollins' best friend and there's a reveal in the third act, uh, about uh who he is and what he believes that he had to keep a secret from seth rogan because he knew that seth rogan's character wouldn't uh wouldn't have would probably not even have been friends with him if if uh he knew that uh and it's and it's kind of to the point that you know seth rogan's character even if you agree with his ideals his his character is definitely so much of an idealist that he does not even accept uh different points of view and it's a and so it's about him coming to understand other points of view that are you know that are that are you know that are just different than not negative and um yeah it's 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 a it parts of that are very straightforward they're not very uh subtle about it um but the but i do think uh their their way of handling uh their dig at the current president uh through um bob odenkirk is is actually a take that we don't see as much we see the incompetent liar the buffoon as the president sort of thing in the wake of um the 2016 election but here's a president that here's a depiction of the president that really cuts to the core of the issue with trump the fact that he clearly doesn't want to be president that he's not that he doesn't understand the qual the needs of the job, and we, we see that through Bob Odenkirk's character, who 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 comes from entertainment like the president, but is not it's not just a dig on like Trump is the next Satan incarnate or some you know they they not they're not a lot of the uh, caricatures of Trump that we've seen from comedy have been very much like and like um like during the Sherlock and Holmes where they just completely hammered home how terrible Trump is and how bad he is at his job and they would never, America would never elect a president like this. And it's not funny. It's not funny because it's like, that's like shooting fish in a barrel that doesn't do anything. Here, it's a much more, that one is a much more subtle um, dig at the president than anything else because it captures just what it was about the trump campaign that people seem to forget the fact that it was part uh, was an offshoot of his time as as his as him being an entertainer and uh i like that about this movie and i like that about how they handled it because it did it wasn't just you know the president is the worst thing ever and they you know we we should be ashamed of ourselves for this president though no, it's about this this president is kind of a joke but And here's why. And it's much better written sort of takedown of Trump. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, June Diane Raphael's in this as is uh, uh, her husband um, and co-host of How Did This Get Made? Paul Shear. I was not padding for time in order to remember his name. Uh, Paul Shear's in a more of like a in, a in a side role on the fake Fox News style network um that they have and they even have a rupert murdoch sort of caricature in here um and that works out well And i think the fox news uh takes off uh, those are actually some of the funniest bits just because of how it's it's all shock humor it's all like did they just say that what the hell was that (laughs) sort of um things and paul sheer is great at that i forget who is um i forget who his uh the other co-host is on that. Hold on. Holy sh <laughs> I almost almost said a bad word. Um yeah, holy crap. That was Andy Circus as the Rupert Murdoch uh caricature. It is that never even noticed never even noticed didn't see his name in the credits and because it wasn't in the initial credits that's amazing and and he does a a fantastic job in the role too you don't even recognize him there it is uh kurt Brownholder is um is the other anchor for this fox news style show um and claudia o'doherty who i don't recognize um train wreck michael bolton's big sexy valentine's day special she was a writer uh okay she's a comedy writer and she was on inside amy schumer she was one of the she was in that as well um she played she played several characters in that um and yeah, that'll she's mainly a comedy writer uh but here she plays sort of the um standard like fox news style female anchor who's pitted between these two uh absolutely just disgusting pitiful uh, dude like old style misogynistic dudes uh played by Paul Sheeran and Kurt Brownholer, and their commentary is just like spot on absolutely nails exactly <laughs> what uh what uh, the one of the biggest issues with how Fox reports the news where they just it's complete editorialization and doesn't like it's even shot like it's on Fox the Fox and Friends set it's, it's like, like I said this movie is not very subtle I think that's what's keeping it from a full five out of five for me it's not it's a four and a half out of five this is uh, this is my pick of the week although I have a more favorite movie but I can't actually recommend it I'll get into it uh this is definitely the pick of the week this is the one I recommend people go see uh, and I, I think it's a solid romantic comedy, and a and a really, and at point, and a lot of points, a really spiting political satire. Uh, this is definitely uh, one to check out if you haven't already. Nothing is gonna stop us now. Oh! We have to save him. Leave him. He's a lost cause. He's gone forever. I'm over here. There's nothing we could have done. You do know that Lou is going to make it super hard for you. Well, I say bring it on, Louis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my doll. We go from my pick of the week into the very clear, unpopped kernel of the week. Ugly Dolls is... A bizarre entity in its very existence, I had never even heard of the of the toy line until this movie was announced, and apparently, it's been a thing since two thousand and one, so really you know you know coming in while the iron's hot, you know, just really making sure to pound this one out while the iron was hot, but um, what made a lot more sense is. Uh, This is, it took two Chinese uh, production companies to fund this, uh, one of which was Alibaba, which is Chinese Amazon. Amazon is banned in China, so they have their own Chinese version of Amazon called Alibaba. And now Alibaba seems to be funding movies the same way Amazon is. And Ugly Dolls is the first one that I've seen that I can remember that was funded by Alibaba. And the fact that this is a Chinese production kind of makes a little more sense. Like, I feel, because from what I could tell, it's bigger in places like Japan, China, South Korea. I think it's bigger in the Asian market than it is at all here in America. Because I had never heard of it. Most of my, I I, I tried to, I asked a group of um, my friends online in the Facebook group. uh uh, whose members are across the united states and uh, and and sometimes even in europe or um you know uh some you know we have some international members but it's a lot of the a lot of people in the united states and canada and none of them have heard of either most of them had never even heard of the ugly dolls toy line and those that had didn't even know a movie was coming out so Great marketing on their point. If nobody knew what Ugly Dolls was, or even that it exist that it existed, and that there was a movie coming out, so good marketing on their point. Clearly on the pulse, po- you know, got there, got got it out there in the pulse of of, of pop culture. They really, they're really, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so the premise here is. It's like a, it's almost like a precursor to Toy Story. It's like he let's take a look at Woody at the factory getting ready to be sold to Andy. That's basically what the premise here is. It's about a bunch of uh, dolls that were initially uh, just factory defects that live in this town called Uglyville, and this one character played by uh, called Moxie played by Kelly Clarkson. Is um is determined to be to eventually be sold to a child in the real world, and in and in her hopes to do so, she brings a bunch of her friends, played by Wanda Sykes, Gabriel Iglesias, um, someone I've never heard of. About to pull up his IMDb to, to see where he's from, and Pitbull, yes, the. The rapper Pitbull. There it is. Okay, who's the other actor here? That's the thing. Most of this cast is... 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 is pop stars. Like, the biggest names, Pitbull, who's also a producer, um, Kelly Clarkson, Blake Shelton uh Janelle Monae, who is actually a an you know a decent artist but you know is mainly no decent uh you no know, she's she's probably the best thing in this movie even but she's completely wasted in this uh in this useless character um i will get into but Nick Jonas is the villain we have BB rexa charlie x e x and um lizzo who is now getting into getting into some mainstream popularity uh through twitter that i've seen so she's started to really gain mainstream attention now but uh she decided to uh, show up in the ugly dolls movie because apparently all their casting session went straight to EMI and uh and universal records universal music group uh jeez I think that's this biggest issue is it's all pop stars. The cast is all pop is mo, is like half pop stars and pop stars aren't good actors. Um Liam Wang is uh the is the actor. Oh my god. Oh my god, he's from China. Like he's an, like literally a Chinese like uh he was in the, like a Chinese movie called Little Big Soldier. He is basically there as a as as a nod to the to the Chinese market to the oh god oh oh the pandering in this movie oh it just only gets worse um well that's fun to know that the act the like the biggest role I've seen him have over here is in Black Hat the completely forgettable Michael Mann movie starring uh. Christopher, Chris Hemsworth trying to, trying to spread, trying to move, trying to get roles outside of the Avengers and the MCU, but everything else is, is a Chinese production. Forever Young, Lust, Caution, Little Big Soldier, uh, The Great Wall, oh, 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 and he's a singer. That explains it. That explains it. Literally, everybody in the cast, aside from Wanda Sykes and Gabriel Iglesias, are singers. Also, Emma Roberts and also Emma Roberts shows up in a bit role that might as well not even be there. Like, did you really need Emma Roberts to play a character who has like ten lines in the entire movie? Also, Jane Lynch is there for a character that only has three lines. Ugh, God, this movie makes me just upsets me on. Uh, uh uh just on its very conceit uh the fact that the fact that they're so worried they're so bigger That like even dreamworks when dreamworks cast like celebrities for the roles at least they're big name celebrities at least it's like Will Smith, Jack Black, Angelina Jolie um okay oh crap I'm, uh, Will you know Will Farrell, Brad Pitt um you know, Renee Zellweger, not Renee Zellweger, well, Renee Zellweger, but Reese Witherspoon. I'm um, trying to think of their recent ones. Uh, Alec Baldwin. Uh, you know, it's actors who we know, but they're actors. They are actors. Some of them can't really, tr- don't really do well in voice work. But at least they're actors that we know. Here, it's, you know, famous actor Pitbull and Kelly Clarkson. Also Ice T shows up for like five lines in the entire movie. This is the kind of casting that 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 executives make when they have no idea how to make movies. It's like, "Oh, it doesn't matter who we cast. Plus we want if, if we want it to be a musical, so let's cast all pop stars." like even Les Mis, like Miz, for as bad as that adaptation was to some people at least the actors they got to sing could sing but they were actors it's not like when when tv networks will put on a a musical a live musical production and just cast a pop star in it you know that almost never those productions almost never go well cuz once again it's executives making decisions, but not knowing how to make a good production. And this is what we got here. The only good part about this movie is the animation. And everything else is garbage. Like the like, like the ugly dolls themselves. They're literally garbage. As is their movie. Uh, so yeah. Um, this, basically, this movie is every kid's movie you've ever seen it's the you've got all the major tropes the liar revealed the celebrity casting for no reason that doesn't add to anything the your you know your flaws are what make you your make you beautiful uh overarching theme of the movie it's all here and none of it like the gibberish cat you see in the trailer That animation asset is reused three times. Every time Gibberish Cat shows up, it's the exact same animation rig. It's the same rig that they cut and paste into different backgrounds multiple times in the movie. It's literally... Like, literally, if you know anything about animation and computer animation, it's the exact same rig. The animation is is copy-pasted. That's how lazy... (laughs) this That's how lazy this thing is, at point. It, 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 it's almost like an Illumination production. It's so cheaply done. Uh. Also, the uh, wise character who reads fortune cookies and tea leaves and does Kung Fu, he's the one played by uh, Leon, Wa- Leon Wang, uh, the Chinese actor. So that's a great thing to throw in. Although, you, it's hard to be... Ma- Okay, can you be mad when it's a Chinese production? Like, who made the decision to make the Chinese uh, singer actor play the character who reads tea leaves, knows 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 martial arts, and and reads fortune cookies? The Asian, you know, like, whose decision was that? Uh, was it the American side or the Chinese side? It's hard to say. Uh, oh God. Oh, oh, fun! Like nobody's even talking about that part. Nobody's talking about the fact that the character played by the Chinese act the 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 Chinese the actor from China is is the one who's like the wisest one in the village, and he's the and he reads from a fortune cookie and is offered tea leaves to read, and he also knows martial arts. Like, oh my god! Like we get it. The actor's played, but the the character's played by an Asian dude. Oh my god! Stop! What? Macy's going to be great at math and play the violin? <laughs> oh. He's going to be a musical prodigy who just happened to study cello for 20 years and his parents are very overbearing. Just hit all the stereotypes. At least Gabriel Iglesias and Wanda Sykes characters didn't have black and Hispanic stereotypes, but the actor from China gets stuck with all the Asian all these Asian stereotypes. Uh, at least they didn't make him do a vo- do the Do the, um, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Uh, what's, what's the character, what's the old one? The one that's, the one that the Mandarin, uh, from the comics is based on, um, oh, God, he's an old archetype from, like, the 30s, um, hold on, Nicholas, there's, there was a bit in, um, in, um... In Grindhouse, where Nicolas Cage played the character, Uh, here we go. Grindhouse Fu Manchu, yeah, I couldn't remember his name. I knew there was Fu in it, but I couldn't remember um, the name. Anyway, Fu Manchu. It's at least they didn't make the actor sound like that stereotype. They didn't go that far with it. But jeez, oh god, it gets worse the more I think about it. Uh yeah um like i said janelle monae is the best thing in the movie but that's not saying much because like it's janelle monae is one of those um creators who even when they're not trying they don't suck like her songs are boring and if she had written the songs they could have probably been a hell of a lot better but she can sing she can act she doesn't suck therefore she is the best part of this whole movie Pitbull, Suck, is a terrible actor. He's not acting. He's reading his lines. Uh, he's a terrible rapper. And thankfully, he only gets one rap verse in the whole movie, despite the fact that he's a producer. Um, Gabriel Iglesias and Wanda Sykes are forced to sing. They're not singers. They're not good singers. So you can clearly hear them singing out of tune. And then when and then when they're saying their lines, they're just Wanda Sykes and Gabriel Iglesias. They're not really doing much of anything in the, uh, it's as as character you know character wise it's just oh by the way Gabriel Iglesias' character is big and is big and round and, f- and literally fluffy <sighs> uh yeah at least Wanda Sykes character isn't a complete uh character isn't com- just Wanda Sykes as a doll uh Blake Shelton is just reading his lines and then he sings with a twang uh yeah, just Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas is the only other one that seems to be trying. He doesn't suck, but his character, but his character does because as a villain, he's a terrible villain, terribly written. Um, the song he's given to sing is, is it, it sucks, and when it's finally revealed the the truth behind what's going on, uh, it's stupid. It's terrible, and yeah, it. it Nick Jonas doesn't suck at it, but his character is is given nothing to do. Uh, BB Rexa, Lizzo, and Charlie XEX—they all suck because they're not actors. They don't know how to read. They don't know how to read lines well. They're just basically reading their lines as themselves. They might as well be playing doll versions of themselves. It's not. They aren't playing characters. They're reading lines. Uh So yeah, generic songs. Cheap animation and like only one good actor in the whole thing. It yeah, this is a complete waste of your time. Don't even bother. But fun fact, uh, while I was uh when I mentioned on Twitter that I that the ugly doll maybe did the, the ugly dolls deserve their own movie, the co-creator of The Ugly Dolls made sure to share with me how popular his toy line is and make sure everyone knows to that hey somebody's dissing the ugly dolls on twitter that was a thing that happened which is going to tie into the discussion this week but yeah somebody did not like the fact that i questioned whether or not the ugly dolls deserved a movie well guess what if they deserved a movie maybe they should have made a better one something is really off with that guy hey uh, scott oh hey stop drilling holes in my house it's not your house Charlie's quite a guy. You know his wife died in that house. You think that's blood? Your days are dropping by. Are over. It's hard to say goodbye. He's watching you. This guy is dangerous. What the hell? not hey. dying today. The intruder. <laughs> right at PG-13. So, I was saying before, during the um, long shot review, that that was my pick of the week, but that I enjoyed one more, but couldn't make it the pick of the week. That's because I loved The Intruder. I I, uh, (laughs) I rated it higher than Alita Battle Angel and Captain Marvel in my year-end list. I will not deny that. I cannot deny that. It is a thing that happened. Because... Here's the thing. The Intruder is a terrible movie objectively. It is a bad movie objectively and I can't recommend anybody go see it because it's pretty, you know, it's 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 from the people who made Traffic and Lakeview Terrace. Lakeview Terrace being one of the worst attempts at trying to tackle race relations in a sort of thriller horror sense um in years in this century uh and traffic being just a bland run-of-the-mill sort of a thriller from the guy who directed meet the blacks so i mean these make the writer and the filmmaker and the director uh are not the best but i think what they did here that worked for me was the performance they got out of dennis quaid here's the thing for the last couple of years dennis quaid has been sort of sleepwalking through his roles he is pretty forgettable as an actor he just kind of stands in as the gruff older guy uh like especially in um, a dog's purpose and the upcoming a dog's journey he just seems to be the gruff older man character and here he's genuinely upsetting he is absolutely, like the way this movie progresses and you see the mounting the we, we learn more about just the mounting uh insanity underlying his character is 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 just it's something I haven't seen in a while. This is my favorite movie in the sense of it's a it's a complete B movie. It's definitely not an A movie, but as some as a midnight, I saw this at like ten o'clock at night on Thursday, and it's a late night at a late night showing. Like if you get, went to a late night showing of this with your friends, and you made fun of the bad parts, and then just watched Dennis Quaid steadily go crazy throughout the ninety minutes of this movie. I think you might have a good time because objectively, critically, it's not very good. Michael Ely uh, and Megan Good are in this and they're, they are kind of bland at points. Michael Ealy is not giving a, a stellar performance, um, which is sad because I know he's a capable actor, but I don't think he was given too much to do. Uh, I think it gets better as the film goes along, but initially he is kind of just bland um, as a character even when they try to make it sound like, oh, he's a womanizer and he has a history of cheating. It's my it's Michael Ely. He's not like it's not like this could have probably been sold better with like a Winston Duke or um or uh you know, somebody who's somebody uh much more masculine. Michael Ely's kind of uh slim and 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 kind of um I don't know. I I like I think they were it was written for a much uh for a diff- maybe a different actor like I don't know um I don't know I don't know Michael Michael Ealy it was not selling me as well as Megan Good. Megan Good is great in this as uh as, as the woman who's just turn as who's not turned on but taken in by the charms of Dennis Quaid early on and it takes until learning the truth about him to really you know make her realize just how crazy the dude is and you you really can't tell early on just how just what's going on and and then as time goes on we learned that we finally learned what's what the deal is with Dennis Quaid and it's just absolute insanity uh we're dealing with somebody who is not m- right in the head clearly and um I, I I think Dennis Quaid is the reason to see this movie uh he is like he gives performance that are that are that would have been great auditions for the Joker or even or like a two-face? Like I think he would make a great two-face or Joker even cuz just the way like his smile. If you look up the second trailer for this movie and you look at the thumbnail for it on movie clips, uh his face looks like he's auditioning for the Joker. <laughs> like uh he's just absolute insane looking. And um there's points in this where we see him, how he treats, uh, how we, you know, like, some, we get to see a peek into his mind and some of the actions he does. It's genuinely upsetting to watch. Uh, yeah, it's... It's... <laughs> I haven't seen anything like this in a long while. But I also know it's not great, because, like, the fight scenes towards the end and the climax are... Have that hibachi-style cut, where it's just, like, every couple of... sec, Every couple of... You know, I don't even think every second, like... Mi- I- like, I think less than a second almost, it's like, cut, 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 and it ruins the pacing. And I think that it definitely dragged down the movie at points, and, but, and the thing is, I'm okay with that, because I got to see Dennis Quaid lose his damn mind on film, and I haven't seen him do anything like that in years. And it felt good to see him really push the limit of, of, uh, what, of what we know him for and put and i think he and megan could have great chemistry actually uh as the characters and he and michael ely kind of are, are are kind of good standoffish good at standing off uh one another but i do think michael like this is thing like, i've loved michael ely ever since the short-lived uh almost human on fox uh he was uh, fantastic in that but i don't know about him as this sort of character because i feel like if it was given to somebody else somebody who's had a history of playing sort of you know characters with a darker past characters with a you know with a history of uh cheating and whatnot character you know people like one of the actors who one of those kind of actors who's played this role in like a tyler perry movie i feel like th- that would have been better than michael ely uh but at the same point, I, I still like Michael Ealy. He's still a good actor, so he works well, even if he's not as believable. But he and uh, Megan Good work well off of each other. And, uh, yeah, it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen before, and I absolutely loved it. But I can't recommend you go see it unless you're into, like, junk food-style movie watching. Like, you're not going to get a good movie out of this, but you will get a fun movie out of this. And one of my biggest things is... A movie can either be good, it can be good or it can be fun. If it can be both, that's fantastic. If it can be one, that's fun. That's that, that's all I need. So this one wasn't good per se, but it's definitely fun. I enjoyed myself watching this movie, and yeah, I can't recommend anybody to go see it. But I would absolutely watch this again. This is per this worked so well for me, and I never even expected it to. So there you have it, folks. I rated this higher than Captain Marvel uh, and Alita Battle Angel, which, which for both people were, were some of the best of the year. So take that as you will. Uh, but with that being said, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, how, to t- how, how creators handle their critics. Did you know Ash's name in Japan is Satoshi, after Pokemon creator Satoshi Tajiri? Did you know Rurouni is a neologism created by the original author of the Roni Kenshin manga? Did you know Godzilla's Japanese name is a portmanteau of gorilla and whale? If you want to learn about these subjects and more, listen to Majide, a Westerner's view of Japanese media and culture, available only on the Gumby Cat Network. big to-do on film Twitter after Joe Carnahan began coming after people who were critical of his new movie El Chicano or El Chacon. Uh depending. People have been using El Chicone, but the IMDb is listed as El Chicano so um, I think it's supposed to be El Chicano I think they're meaning El Chicano but the way they censored it made it look like El Chacon. Uh so it must have been El Ch- so yeah, as new movie El Chicano um, that he wrote and produced uh, about a two brothers on the opposite sides of the law in uh, L- East LA. One's a cop, one's a one's a gangbanger, and people have been critical of the movie. It's not getting it's getting mixed reviews, and he's been going after uh, people who are vocally critical about it on Twitter, and so film Twitter has had to censor the title in order to keep Joe Carnahan from searching for references to it in order to so that he doesn't come after them and retweet their criticisms to his followers so that they can come after the reviewers for being critical of the of his movie and that's kind of an underlying thing with a lot of creative types is that they're very sensitive about their work like I experienced. I experienced that with um, two people actually on Twitter. One before I started the podcast, and one while as a, and one as part of the podcast. Uh, the first one was actually in 2011. I tweeted that the new straw that the Straw Dogs remake um, looked like it was going to suck, and the director told me to not be to stop judging a movie that I haven't seen yet. And he did not like the fact that I would, that I was saying his movie was going to be bad based on the trailer. And so he came after me on, he, he came after me on Twitter because apparently he did have the time to respond to any schmuck uh, on Twitter who didn't like the, who didn't like his, the trailer for his then upcoming remake of straw dogs. Because, you know, uh, that's, always a, that's always a good sign in people that, that they're so bad at taking criticism that they have to go after any and all people on social media who even mention it in neg in a negative light. Uh, but the other one, the most recent one I mentioned, was the co-creator of Ugly Dolls. Was not as vitriolic about the fact that I didn't like the movie. He was just more of like, matter of fact, it's basically flexing that... Hey, I got my money. I got my money. Where, where's your successful toy line that's, that get, that's finally gotten a movie almost 20 years later? So, yeah, it's, it was a weird flex more than anything else. And it was bizarre that it even happened. Like, like, most most creators don't even recognize my existence. But after that, I was actually afraid to mention the Ugly Dolls in a tweet lest the co-creator who apparently has new, who has twitter alerts for when anybody mentions his his toy line come after me again for not liking his stupid the stupid movie based on his st- apparently successful toy line. He can't just be happy with the toy line being successful. He has to make sure to drown out any sort of negative talk about his toy line's stupid stupid movie. Like, do you think if you cared about your toy line, you'd be more interested in making sure that the movie based on your toy line was actually good? I don't know. That's just me. Uh, but also in the movie was Lizzo, who is, who is herself gotten under, gotten under fire on Twitter for a tweet she made about how critics don't do anything and are leeches on the successful artists. As though critics themselves are the ones trying to bring down an artist and not people who ha- who want to talk about something, point out where it's flawed and ways for it to improve. Like that's the thing. People, a lot of creators see critics as the as quote unquote haters. People who hate that they're successful and so they'll say anything bad about them to make them look bad but uh, for for being for being successful at making a thing but the problem is critics more often than not are just people who like talking about a thing and then being critical of something isn't to say that nobody should see the movie unless it is a terrible movie and nobody should see it but that it's more often than not they like talking about the thing so much that they that they and you know that they themselves want to see better movies, better music, better books, better what better art and so in wanting to see better, they criticize in order to help uh, help other Creators learn from the mistakes of either others or their past selves. Like, that's the thing. A lot of critics themselves are creators. Like, one of the most famous film critics of them all, uh, Roger Ebert, he loved movies, was synonymous with loving movies, was also a screenwriter, and and made his own movies. It was a B movie based on an adaptation of a pulp novel. But that's the kind of movies he loved. And so he wanted to make In the Valley of the Dolls um, a movie. I have no idea if it's any good. But that's the thing is that he loved movies. He loved, he, he loved them so much he made his own. And he was never shy about being critical of movies and filmmakers if something he's if he saw something was bad he was not afraid to say it i do think he was in it in his later years he was definitely weirdly adamant that video games can't be considered artistic an artistic endeavor which i think he's thinking of the wrong video games uh because by that point video games had you know video games were were themselves were achieving fil- film levels of artistic integrity like they were video games that were better than most movies by that point definitely uh, and there's definitely an art artistry that goes into video game creation so i feel like he was definitely out of his depth on that but people were and people weren't shy about saying hey r- hey Raji, buddy uh you know it's okay, you don't have to like video games and but you know you can't say something is not art if it has artistic merit to it so Anyway, um, yeah, it's just I feel like the there's a the, the biggest problem is creators have this not all creators there's definitely creators who take criticism to heart when it's constructive, and that's I think that's what I I I I I not the Ugly Dolls movie but I mainly was knocking the points where it was weakest the points where it needed to improve. Namely, the story, the casting, and in everything you know, the story. The, well, yeah, the writing, the dialogue writing, the story writing, and the casting. If they wanted to be a better movie, those are the main points that needed to to change. Even the movies that I love, loved this week, Long Shot and The Intruder, I acknowledge that there were weak points that they could have improved and been better. No, no movie is perfect, and there's definitely ways to improve just about everything and i think that uh the biggest problem that artists have is they put so much time and effort and passion a lot of you know not always but sometimes even their passion into making a thing to have people come back and say this thing you worked so hard on wasn't good enough definitely feels like it's an attack on you personally it's not a way of saying oh here's a way you can improve this. It's more like you didn't do it good enough this time. And so they see it as like an attack on themselves for the, for the, this thing that they worked hard on. Uh, Lizzo, uh, i mentioned this on Twitter, Lizzo and tech nine has even, uh, written an entire song about how he doesn't take, doesn't take criticism. Well, uh, I remember it specifically from a rap Critic episode back in the day. Uh, it's uh, fragile, uh Tech Nine was basically writing an entire song about how he doesn't like critics. But at the same but like that's the thing is that not all criticism is is hating. You know, hating and criticism are not the same. In the age of the internet where short where everything social media has turned everything into shorthand, it's harder to tell who's who's hating and who's being critical. And because that's the thing a lot of critics genuinely love the thing they're talking about like um i remember todd of the shadows uh one of his first um i think his first top 10 favorite of the year list for pop songs he 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 talked he 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 kind of brought up the fact that people thought he was a hater for making fun of pop songs but he had the he acknowledged the fact that he didn 't criticize pop songs because he hated them. he criticized them because he loved pop music and he wants pop music to be better that's kind of the thing like like most most of my favorite uh, reviewers uh film most of my favorite people on film twitter uh, and the like uh Lindsay Ellis actually went for ma- actually went to film school and wanted and loved film enough and wanted to be a filmmaker and I think she still does uh. It's hard to, I, I'm not sure what it is that she wants to do for a career, but I know that she loves film enough to go to film schools. as did Kyle Caldron. Caldron, uh, went to film school as well. Um, his girlfriend, uh, uh, Jornane Searles, almost forgot her name for a second. Uh, Jornane Searles, uh, she, I believe is, uh, is, is an active screenwriter and uh, she, she's been wanting to sell her own script and, you know, be a screenwriter, uh, I think Dan Olson. I think Dan Olson went to film school. Um, he's definitely filmed in, ver- in versed in film theory. Um, so I mean, like that's the thing is that these people who talk about film are people who have studied film and love film and love talking about film. Even myself, I've mentioned before that I've had ideas for screenplays and screen and wanted to be a writer uh and and but but I've had trouble kind of focusing and finishing projects but i've had, but I love talking about film, and I love seeing what could make films better i love, that's why that's why I gravitated towards reviews because initially it was just because I liked the reviewers through the old channel awesome uh I still love them I still love the ones that are still around uh I love Mars girl, I love linkara I'm uh, getting back into um uh uh Rod, uh Erod, the Blockbuster Buster. I wasn't into him uh he came in much later uh to Channel Awesome, but I uh, loved um Rocked, uh Rocked Reviews, uh, uh Dom, the Dom formerly the Dom, Dominic Smith. Uh I haven't seen a lot of Kaluna's stuff. But there's, yeah, there's so much of the old Channel Awesome Suede. I love Suede. Uh William Dufresne. Um, but yeah, I love so many of those reviewers because you could tell uh, for the best ones you could tell genuinely loved the genre, the medium that they were talking about. Linkara loves comics. Uh uh Suede loves anime and Pokemon, and um you know, Dom loves books and movies and loves talking about adaptations. So when they're critical it's because they're seeing things seeing things in the medium that they love and they want it to improve and that's i think the biggest uh misconception about uh critics is that they hate their haters the correlation between being critical and being and being hateful like when somebody's being critical a lot of times it's just Here's this thing I, here's a flaw I noticed. There's something to improve on the next time. And some and there are some critics who are critical in ways that aren't beneficial. They're not constructive. You know, there're critics who hate that you don't act a certain way, that you're not the genre of music or movies that you like. Like me being critical of romantic comedies or or things made for um any sort of minority group uh uh black black audiences, women, uh any sort of minority audience or you know like a gay audience um they can love that audience can love a thing and gravitate towards it and love it no matter what and that's why I don't want to make it sound like as a crit as a reviewer I'm being critical of the audience for liking a thing I'm being critical of the thing for any certain flaws that I noticed in it. You know, like I haven't heard anybody talking about the fact that the, the that the Chinese actor in Ugly Dolls plays plays a, plays a character who has been given weirdly Chinese, you know, weirdly Asian stereotypes throughout the movie. Like, like, like I'm the only one who noticed that, and because, and I think that's because I'm much more aware of stereotypes and depictions of them in media having been much more having been much having been acquainted uh through film twitter with people who are much more cognizant of that issue and it's probably not i don't there was any offense intended but it was just a thing that i noticed i just i happened to notice it and it made i don't whether Asian audiences think that's offensive, or they don't think it's a, they don't take issue with it. I'm not saying they should. i just a thing that I noticed. It was a weird thing that I noticed that I can't stop thinking about. <laughs> um, I think the other issue is that review scores and aggregate sites like Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes have turned criticism into this binary system where it's either good or it's bad. It has to be one or the other. When ultimately there's nuance to criticism. Critics, good criticism can't be broken down into a numbers system. It can't be broken, it's not broken. Like that's a thing. If it was broken down into numbers, my review of my review of the intruder is an outlier because the the trend is to have it on the lower lower half of the spectrum from one to five whereas mine is on the extreme end of the five spec, the extreme five end of the spectrum, because I loved it so much. And I think that's the thing, is that criticism is not a binary system. You can't crunch numbers to determine a number, to determine a score for a film that will best best exemplify that film because film is an art you can you that's why rating is essentially pointless and that's why i don't use rating scores i you know even the like even the better more nuanced scoring systems like uh double toasteds um uh, full price uh matinee rental uh some old bs even that is still a ranking system from 0 to 5. And that's why I tend not to give... The only thing I tend to give is my pick of the week for the movie I recommend people go see and my Unpopped Kernel, which is the one I don't recommend anybody see that week, the new release. Those are the only real markings I'm going to give a movie because I'd much rather talk about the merits of the movie Rather than give it a score like I'm grading a test, this isn't a test to be graded. It's a, it's a, it's a. It's me being uh, reviewing what I liked and what I didn't like about a film. That's I'm not a teacher. I'm not giving grades here. I'm giving my, I'm giving my thoughts on a on a piece of art, and that's you can't grade that like you're in like you're in high school. You know, we can't. We're not grading you know book reports or something like that we're talking about the fact that here's this film here's what it's in here's what it's showing us what do we think of it and like i've said i've loved movies i've loved coming up with ideas for movies i've always loved coming up with these ideas for movies even as a kid like i would think of ideas on how to do the calvin and the Hobbes movie which i'm deeply ashamed for I've come up with ideas for jukebox musicals based on artists I love. You know, I came up with a David Bowie one. I came up with a Weird Al one that I've been wanting to do. So it's not that I hate movies and I hate filmmakers. You know, I, 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 There's things about the fil- the Hollywood system that I don't like and I am very critical of them. I, but I don't hate movies. I love movies. And I want movies to be better, and that's why. I, and you, know, I love talking about movies. That's why I'm doing this whole podcast. This isn't an attack on the creators of Ugly Dolls for making a bad movie. This is me saying to the creators of Ugly Dolls, you went about it the wrong way, and you did, and you did, and you could have done it better. You know, this is me telling the creator, the you know, the creators of The Intruder, look, there are points about The Intruder that could have been improved upon, even though I loved. I loved enough of it to you know to get. I loved enough of it to really enjoy it. It's not perfect. I loved the long shot. I but but it was not above criticism. I think that the key is that no movie is above criticism, and to think otherwise is to completely miss the point of criticism. And like that, like like people have been critic. And there's different ways to go about criticism. I go about it objectively from from a story and from a storytelling standpoint plenty of people would view it uh, in a society in sort of a cultural context like how does this movie affect you know m- you know minorities minority groups how are they represented and mis- you know are they given negative stereotypes you know that sort of thing there's different ways to critique a movie but that doesn't mean the mo- that you should stop enjoying a movie Unless you know because because you can only enjoy what you love you, we're not telling you to stop enjoying a thing, we just know that it's better we that it's better to talk about it and us having this conversation doesn't mean you need to enjoy do you need to take part in it either that's the other thing is that a lot of commenters whenever people are having this discussion will say, why don't you shut up and enjoy it or don't watch it?" That's not what the point is. The point is that we're talking about it. We're discussing these issues that affect not just the movie, but other aspects of society as well. We're talking about these movies in different contexts. And us having this conversation is not detracting from the movie for you. And if it is, you don't have to follow it. They, Those people who say we should just shut up and watch or don't could just as easily not take part in the conversation. They're not obligated to. We just like having this conversation. That's kind of all I have to say on the point, you know? That you should, creators shouldn't be taking upon themselves to come after their critics like they're on a the warpath or something, like they're at opposite ends. When critics are more likely just being like, hey, you know that thing you did? Maybe there's ways you could improve it, you know? To take criticism as like an attack on you. Is a very childish mindset. It's a way of it's a very childish way of looking at a thing. It's like you didn't like a thing I did. You must hate me. No, 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 no. There's nothing about there's nothing about hate or love. It's me commenting on this thing you did and pointing it out, pointing out the flaws, so that other time, so that future endeavors could be could learn from it. That's it. You know, this is an attack on you, and to think otherwise is a very it's, it's definitely very middle school at at, at most you know <laughs> middle school high school at most otherwise it's complete kindergarten mindset of like you hate me now screw you i made i made this chalk i made this chalk drawing on the sidewalk and you pointed out that that humans don't have three stick fingers well screw you jerk <laughs> uh anyway yeah critics are not the enemy and the problem with and the biggest issue is that trying to monetize criticism is help is watering is ultimately waters it down and doesn't make it as succinct and as and as constructive as it could be because it's then it becomes all about numbers and ranking systems and coming up with either the worst or the best of everything and it's it's a binary system and that's why it sucks because. Film criticism is not binary because movies are not just good or bad. There's, it's much more complex than that. I think it's a solid discussion. Uh, so we'll leave it at that. And then we'll come in with this week's box office report. And now the popcorn junkie checks in with this week's box office report. So we had three major new releases. Plus one, much more limited release. Um, El Chicano did not even break the top ten, uh, but it was only in like 600 theaters. Uh, at the same time, apparently, there's this movie called Amazing. Gro- oh, I know what that is. That's the that's uh, the Aretha Franklin uh, film documentary about showing her film her recording that one album. Uh I've heard good things about that. I wanted to see it, but I didn't see it playing anywhere near me. But that's in like two hundred theaters, and it's and it's made uh, three hundred thousand dollars so far. So I mean, like once again, uh, word of mouth helps a lot, and not a lot of people were had heard of Ch- El Chicano or had any desire to see it. So looking at uh, our top seven, though, dropping out of the top seven are Shazam, Little, and Dumbo. They've all dropped out entirely. They're now at the bottom half of the of the of the. Um, top 10 uh coming in at number seven this week was the curse of la llorona uh brought in 30 three and a half million dollars uh bringing its domestic growth up to 48 and its worldwide gross up to 103 which on a which on a budget of nine million dollars means it's doing absolute gangbusters so there's no end to the conjuring franchise in sight Coming at number six is Breakthrough, which brought in three point nine million dollars, bringing its domestic gross up to thirty three point two million, and its worldwide gross so far up to forty one million dollars. So once again, that one's also broken through and broken even, and but and become mildly successful. So there you go. Coming at number five is Captain Marvel, uh, who has dropped down from number two from re from rising back up to number two behind Avengers. Now, I'll drop back down to number five, brought in $4.2 million this weekend, bringing its domestic growth up to $420.7 million, and its worldwide gross to $1.1 billion. Even without the production budget I listed on uh, Box Office Mojo, I'm pretty sure that's, that means it's successful. So, yeah, no, no more comment needed on that. Uh, premiering at number four was Ugly Dolls, bringing in $8.5 million domestically. Uh, which on a budget of $45 million means that the foreign markets better save this movie. And considering it features a prominent enough uh, Chinese singer and actor uh, and it's produced by Alibaba, I'm guessing China's probably going to be the one to save this movie, if if nothing else. So, number three uh, is The Long Shot, bringing in $10 million. And... uh, Combined with a little with a little extra from the foreign markets, it brought in thirteen point three million dollars its opening weekend. Let me pull up the. I wish that uh, Box Office Mojo could get more uh, of the budgets instead of just listing it as non non-applicable. I wish there was much more information about these budgets on one location. So uh 2019 film budget is 40 million dollars so it it couldn't make back half of its budget opening weekend um so we'll see how it does in the long run but yeah it doesn't seem to be doing as well as it as it could be uh we'll see if the foreign markets have that one too and then number two premiering at number two is the intruder bringing in 11 million dollars this weekend uh, on a budget of eight million dollars means it's already made back its budget and is on its way to breaking even so the good for them good for them they uh, that's why look, keeping your budget as low as possible is always the right idea you couldn't should, you shouldn't have to be micro budget but keeping your budget as low as possible without cutting too many corners is the is the best way to see success because like the intruder cost eight million dollars made it back opening weekend you know and when then in, in cases like curse of la you they're making like you know gangbusters off of a ten million dollar budget but that's also horror and thrillers so i think people just gravitate towards those more often than political satire uh anyway staying in at number one for the second week in a row is avengers end game which this weekend brought in 145.8 million dollars Bringing its domestic gross so up to $619.6 million. And its worldwide gross so up to $2.1 billion. Holy cow. I don't think I've ever seen a movie break $2 billion. Hold on. Uh, movies that made over $1 billion. <laughs> okay, here we go. Billion-dollar blockbusters, movies that broke the box office from Variety. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Dark Knight broke at $1 The Hobbit and the Unexpected Journeys. Utopia. Alice in Wonderland. The Phantom Menace. Finding Dory. Jurassic Park. Stranger Tides. Rogue One. A lot of the Star Wars, a lot of Disney properties break a billion dollars. Dark Knight Rises, Transformers, Skyfall, Return of the King, Transformers, Captain America Civil War, Minions, Iron Man 3, Frozen, Harry Potter, Age of Ultron, Fury 7, Avengers, Jurassic World, Force Awakens. Okay, so it, so right now, Force Awakens has two two billion $2,068,000,000 worldwide. Uh, so, Avengers Endgame has surpassed that. Next up, Titanic pro, uh had two point two million two billion one hundred eighty six million. Uh Avengers Endgame broke that, so it's technically the second highest grossing movie of all time worldwide. Uh the only thing left is Avatar with 2.7 billion. So if we can cross over to 2.8 billion by the end of the run, Avengers Endgame will have been the highest grossing movie of all time worldwide. Uh, I don't know. Grossing movies in America. Uh, Adjusted for inflation. Gone with the Wind made 1.8 billion. Star Wars made 1.6. Sound of Music. Titanic made 1.2. Where's Avatar on this? Avatar is down at number 15. Wow. Okay. uh, 876 million. So it's actually on its way to outgrossing Avatar domestically. We'll see if it outgrows. If it can cross over a billion dollars just domestically, that would have been a feat in and of itself. This is already breaking all kinds of records. Now it's seeing, seeking to unseat the, the the kings for the last decade. <laughs> oh, man. This, this, is, this is fun. This is fun. We'll see. It's going to be fun. interesting to see how it pans out by the end. So that was the week that was, and now we look to the week ahead in Trailer Talk. Coming this summer. It's Trailer Talk. Read it Starts Friday. This is a big weekend for me, folks. If you've been following me on Stardust, I've been doing a pokeathlon in the lead up to this movie and now it's a, we're coming up on its uh, official release this Thursday can't wait we're taking a look at the the final trailer for Detective Pikachu So there I was I woke up with a heavy God, the, in the middle of nowhere It's so crazy to look at the realistic designs for the Pokémon and and then take a look at how they designed Sonic and just see how all how just a hallucination so you're a talking pikachu with no memory. i like this rhyme city and how it's a mix of jo- of japanese and uh, american aesthetics it's kind of like that extra shot black as night thank you god lilo with hair is so off putting i don't know maybe hair got in too deep mixed up with the wrong crowd that kind of thing look you can talk to humans and... I can talk to Pokemon. Furry Snorlax is weird looking. And if you want to find your pops, we're going to need each other. No, I don't need a Pokemon. What about a world-class detective? Ah, my clues. What is all this? Harry is still alive. Case closed. But still open until I solve it. <laughs> I do really like Ryan Reynolds. I know if everyone was hoping for Danny DeVito. fake his own. But Ryan Reynolds is doing a great job. Somebody else faked Harry's death. Larry faked somebody else is death. That last one doesn't work at no. all. as the as the speakers is perfect. Oh, Flareon is so cute. I am dying to learn know what the heck that world folding in on itself is about. so I'll just do it again. Uh, hey bud, what are you doing? I can't do it when people are watching. Get me the hell out of here! peek And here's the reveal to too. That's a twist. barely moving I, I love mr mime in this he's, he's becoming one of my favorite pokemon after all this oh no he's going down hard tim should have wanted to help. helmet <laughs> i'm so excited for this i can't wait to see how it turns out um i also think it's a good idea that they went with detective pikachu instead of trying to adapt the anime storyline and i hear that their next ones are going to be based on the games directly and not the anime which is perfect because Aside from the manga, the really the game storylines are much more of a blank slate to adapt. So, I I'm down for this Pokemon uh, cinematic universe. I'm interested to see how it turns out. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Can't wait. Had to pre-order tickets because I was so because I couldn't wait. So yeah, that's coming this Thursday. Up next is a remake of the um of the '90s classic, which I think itself was a remake of, from the '40s. Of dirty round scandals now with a female pro- now with female protagonist it's called the hustle Is taken? i'll just get a glass of water please i have to save all my money because i'm here to find my sister she's been taken taken like like by men who sell hot white virgins to <laughs> on yachts. i am very moved by your story order anything you like I'll have a club sandwich and an order of fries, two slices of cake. Do you want any cake? No. Three slices of cake and I do <laughs> Impressive. I'm a con artist. Sisters and arms. I had no idea how small time I was until I met you. God, Anne Hathaway is just a wonderful oh person. Just, just wonderful. I love her. <laughs> no man will ever believe a woman is smarter than he is is it valuable? $500,000 I like it because it's shiny <laughs> I could be the partner you never knew you needed teach me your sugar baby ways take this to the guestroom butlery person well then god. from MGM Pictures There's nothing more compelling to a man than a vulnerable woman absurd wow, you can just god she's amazing can you make the tear roll down your cheek? Oh, oh. Now you try. <laughs> Are you constipated? Look, she's If you want to be like me, you must be trained for any situation. she always knows her place. She's got style, she's got grace, she's a win. Glamorous, uh, Rebel Wilson works. She's the mom. She's, She's normally you know played as more frumpy, right. but her and like a and like dresses and like playing glamorous yeah, is it, it works well here. Would you mind, sir? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Rebel Wilson and Hathaway. Yeah. Men, boys, us and that is what we use. <laughs> dressy, did it again. <laughs>
1: the hustle.
0: Release the peasants. She must mean peasants, yeah. Don't worry, darling. She's a terrible shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that's adorable. Giving dirty, rotten men a run for their money. That's a nice. That's that's nice. That's a nice touch. I know the second trailer was tr- trying to make itself come off like endgame, and that really didn't work because they're not related in the slightest. It felt very much like this is popular, please notice us. Um so yeah, uh I definitely am excited for this. I'm interested in seeing this one. I'm gonna have to rewatch uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Well actually watch it for the first time and see how the two compare. So that's coming so that's coming out this weekend. Uh we also got uh an interesting one it's a, uh, it's another it's from the uh producer of book of of the book club uh it's another uh sort of uh L, L sort of showcase for L, for older actresses this one is called Palms it's about older about women in retirement home becoming cheerleaders let's take a look at the trailer welcome to sun springs retirement community have the time of your life for the rest of your life uh- <laughs> <laughs> we are young we run where you well, we got it. Thing you could ever need Over a hundred clubs What brings you to Sun Springs? Oh, I'm just here to die I love Dying okay. Keaton I love Dying Keaton so much I was hoping you'd be mad There's not enough <laughs> erections around here as it is <laughs> this? you were a cheerleader My mother was very sick So I quit the team Maybe you should give it another shot we want to start a cheerleading club. Will you be cheering ourselves. for ourselves? Show us what you got. Mm. Pam Greer, too. Great. I always did want to be. Maria Perlman. My husband. What would you say over my dead body? That was <laughs> a little too fast. You <laughs> ask me. See you at practice. <laughs> Let's sign up. We could do with a little help. We want you to be our choreographer. The oldest category is eighteen plus. We're eighteen plus, eighteen plus fifty. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to <laughs> this is just great, great punch. When punch punchy point point. dialogue. I had my knee replaced. Did I mention I had chlamydia? <laughs> yeah, you did, along with a shocking <laughs> amount of other information. <laughs> what about you? Me? No, I'm fine. I'm fit as a fiddle. Why didn't you tell me? I'm dying. You were dying yesterday and you're gonna be dying next week in the meantime you should be dancing your ass off you are going to the studio eat. that brought you bad moms I and the, the producer of book club we're all so worried about what everyone else is thinking when of course the only thing that really matters is what we think of ourselves break ahead get pregnant hahaha <laughs> <laughs> Diane Keaton, Jackie Weaver, Pam Greer, Celia Weston, Alicia no, Bo, I'm and scared. Rhea Perlman. I'm scared too. But there's one I'd rather go out there with. I've never had a grandma before, and now it's like I have eight. You're one of us now. Except with higher boobies. <laughs> <laughs> uh Shane Atkinson. I'm not sure what else they did. Here, let me pull them up. Uh... IMDB. Shane Atkinson. Here we go. Wrote on Penny Dreadful. Uh, He wrote. He's writing this. Mainly just Penny Dread. Oh, not the. Okay, I thought they were talking about the show Penny Dreadful. No, this is an actual short movie he did called Penny Dreadful that he also directed. Um, a lot of short stuff, a lot of shorts. So this is his first uh m- major motion picture. So we'll see how he does. Uh, he's got great punch. He's got great punchy dialogue. So uh, I'm interested to see how it turns out. Uh, who's the director for this? Zara Hayes co-wrote the screenplay as well. Um, directed uh the Diane Fossey Secrets in the Mist documentary uh da, 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 legend of billy Jean king Battle of the sexes documentarian so she's a to- she's a documentarian ending up writing a, a older com you know a comedy featuring older women with a guy who's just started. i'm very i am be i'm very interested interested to see how the heck these two ended up making this movie because that's entirely out of their wheelhouses it looks like this feels like something i don't know they were hired on because of their because the producers liked their stuff but hey i'm interested to see it i like jackie weaver she's kind of playing the um the uh god what's her name from the blanche uh from to, to kind of refer to golden girls uh Jackie Weaver's playing the sort of Blanche character with, uh, Diane Keaton as the Dorothy. And, um, yeah, I like, I, I like her. She's, Jackie Weaver is phenomenal. I haven't seen her in a while. She's in one of my favorite movies, um, The Voices, uh, from, uh, Merjan Satrapi. Uh, she played the, uh, his doctor in that. Uh, Bruce McGill, Patricia French, Carol Sutton, Jessica Roth, uh, not a lot of names that are sticking out, um... But yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. I like I, I probably wouldn't have been excited like ten years ago. But I I don't know what it is. But I'm be, I'm seeing a lot of, I think it's because they're not all of them are great, and so the ones that look good, I'm I'm willing to take uh, take I'm willing to take uh more. I'm willing to praise more just because like you compare this to things like um just uh, not just go with it. That's the Adam Sandler one, but um. Just Getting Started, which was just a complete waste of time and was clearly just, you know, the retirement home for older actors. Uh, These look a lot more fun. And I think that's the thing is that they're able to tell stories featuring older characters and feature these older actresses that we haven't seen in a while and make it not make, you know, make fun of a lot of the stuff that comes with aging, but not make it demeaning. So I'm interested to see how this turns out. And then finally... We're seeing uh, the biopic of one of the most well-known authors in history, uh, and one, one of the writers of one of the best-known books and be- most well highly acclaimed books. We're talking Tolkien. Let's take a look. Twenty-five years of Fox Searchlight. Since childhood, I have been fascinated with language. I've invented my own. You invented an entire language? Yes. I made stories. Legends. Tell me a story. In any language you want. Based on the life of oh, J.R.R. Tolkien. It's about journeys. The journeys we take to prove ourselves. It's about adventures. We should form a club, a brotherhood. We change the world through the power of art music poetry and what about talking i want to write something it's about magic beyond anything anyone has ever felt before what it means to love to be loved war england's at war fox searchlight pictures presents Experience the journey that shaped the imagination of the legendary author. you follow the rhythms of language, I have to tell you, Mr. Tolkien, I've never come across anything like it. Nicholas Holmes, Lily Collins. This is more than just a friendship. It's an alliance. An invincible. Alliance A fellowship I'm very interested to see this one I'm I, as soon as I heard about it, I'm like, oh, they're making a biopic about him. Interesting, Because, yeah, Tolkien led a very interesting life. And a lot of the, not a lot of people know he was best friends with C.S. Lewis, the writer of... Um, well, not best friends. He was colleagues and uh, associated with C.S. Lewis. In fact, they were part of the same sort of circle of writers. So I'm, I'm wondering if they'll feature that or if that was much later in his life. So, the, so it's just covering the early years. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how this turns out. Uh, we'll, see, yeah, we'll see what the final product looks like. That about does it for this week's episode, which means it is time for the plugs. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely listening to us on our homepage at gumbycatnetworks.com. And if you want to keep up to date on all the new episodes as they come out, you can be sure to leave a, f- um, be sure to whitelist us on your ad blocker and favorite us on your browser. And while you're there, check out all of our other fine programming. We got Donna's stuff over at the Snarkcast, where she where um she does Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, Once More with Feeling, the Family Business. Uh, we've got um, we're going to be you can look forward to the next uh, episode of Living in the Stacks coming later this month, next week sometime. Uh, actually, yeah, sometime. Uh, next later next week, I believe. And then uh, you can also check out myself with Mike over at Magie, where we cover Japanese media and pop culture. Um, and then, uh, yeah, if you're yourself our creator and you would like to join a fine uh, bu- uh, burgeoning network, you can send us any inquiries at uh, networks at gmail.com and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Uh, you can. You can also find us on, you can also find this podcast on your various. Um, uh, podcast providers we're on itunes google play spotify spreaker stitcher iHeartRadio, and uh if you want to help the show out you can leave a five-star rating and review and let people know that you like the show that they, they should check it out as well you can also donate to the show through patreon.com popcornjunkie popcorn junkie and get access to all the uh existing Patreon uh material munchalongs and make a better movies there are ten episodes of each, uh nine one of which is made available to everyone as a teaser, and nine of which are all available only to patrons. I'm working on adding that to Pinecast, so if you wanna donate there, you can do so at tips.pinecast.com slash jar slash popcorn dash junkie, which there will be a link to in the description. Uh you can also you can also um you know share them podcast on your various social media the social media home for popcorn junkie is uh, facebook.com slash popcorn junkie there I'm, i there i've been sharing the pokeathlon in the lead up to detective pikachu and the hail and hail to the king in the lead up to godzilla king and the monsters we're up to uh by the time this, episode, this comes out we're up to godzilla versus megalon and then we're up to uh hoopa and the clash of ages and for for the pokeathlon so we're just about done with the and we're and we're uh, just getting started with Godzilla. So uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Pod. We'll see if you can follow and see if there are other um, <laughs> other creators who decide to come at me for not liking their uh, art, like the co-creator of Ugly Dolls did. Uh, <laughs> I but honestly, it's much more boring than that. It's just me talking to other film Twitter people and giving my thoughts on stuff and uh commenting on things that i see movie related uh you can also follow me on instagram i'm not very active there uh but i'm doing uh i'm doing um uh i do i mainly do just the tickets and and new episode releases over there but that's popcorn junkie podcast on instagram uh and then you can follow me on stardust and keep up with uh, the pokeathlon and the and hail to the king uh let's start on the startest app just download it and look for at popcorn junkie and there you'll see all my reviews and you can also get sneak peeks of what i think of the movies before the episode comes out so uh if there's anything else you want to say to me any kind of feedback you want to give your own criticisms of my of my stuff i know uh, the audio is not as good this episode i'm finagling with the setup a bit i wanted to try using an old mic stand and i want to take a look i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna finagle with my setup a bit and see what works best. Uh, and then, uh, you know, give your own thoughts on the movies I reviewed. What did you think of The Long Shot? What did you think of The Intruder? What did you think of Ugly Dolls? If you saw them too, let me know. I'd love to, you know, share audience feedback as well. Uh, and if you do so, make sure you, uh, make sure you mention that you give me explicit permission to share your, to read out your message, uh, either in the subject line or in the message. Uh, otherwise, I'll simply paraphrase. So... That does it for this week's episode. Until next time, I'm John Bailey, and just remember, critics are not your enemy. Oftentimes, we just want to be your friend. The theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look up Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of their music. Artwork provided by Nafio, N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nafio.deviandarts.com for more of his artwork. said i love movies i love coming up with ideas for movies i've always loved you got something to say what do you have to say mama you hate critics you want them to die in a fire well that's not very nice mama I, yeah i'm calling you out i'm calling you out you shouldn't say things like that i'm you know i'm a reviewer right oh oh that includes me okay Good to know, you ungrateful little brat.